This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Kurkowski, and I am excited to be with you guys reviewing Monday night's game against the Detroit Lions. And I apologize for the delay on getting this review out for from this last week's game crazy life but i appreciate your patience and i'm excited to get into it and guys we as packers fans we can breathe because the packers looked how they should on monday night football where they beat the detroit lions 35 to 17 the packers started out that game kind of slow but in the end they pulled off the win and i think everyone in wisconsin is a little bit more settled after monday night's win over the previous week when all of us were a little bit nervous uh, to say the least after watching that first game where the Packers got just blown out by the Saints and so it was very relieving for me to watch the Packers go out and handily beat a, re- a rebuilding team like the Lions by more than two scores. So let's start today's session by talking about the offense. Aaron Rodgers you know scared us all a little in week one and we saw a much improved version of Aaron Rodgers this week and a good enough Aaron Rodgers to beat a bad Detroit Lions team, but still not close to his MVP form we saw in 2020. Aaron Rodgers did have quite a great night of football statistically, and he actually passed John El- uh, John Elway to now have the 10th most career passing yards of all time, which was it's exciting. That's an, that's really cool um, for him, and really cool to see just how long he's been successful now. And the big things for Rodgers in this offense overall. Honestly, it was the timing. Uh, it was much better this week, which helped with his accuracy. And then LaFleur re-simplified the offense as well, and we saw just that. Rodgers in this offense looked like they were in rhythm. They made plays, and it was just it was just fantastic, fantastic to watch. This passing attack was efficient. In this game, the Packers won because they took what was available. And what was available was a quick, fast-paced offense with short passes that took less than two and a half seconds for Rodgers to throw. This is when... Aaron Rodgers is great, and this is what made him an MVP MVP quarterback last season, was taking what the defense gives him, playing in rhythm, and trusting this offense, not trying to play hero ball, and so, and that's what he did on Monday night. We saw on plays where Rodgers threw the ball in less than two and a half seconds, he was 14 for 15, 127 yards, and three touchdowns, and 116 of those 127 yards through the air came after the catch. Okay. He got his guys, the football quick and he let them work. And on top of that, Aaron Rodgers was great. Fantastic on second and third downs. Rodgers was literally almost perfect. He went 16 for 17 for 208 yards and four touchdowns. So when it mattered third down, second down, he continued to play well. That's just, it's just amazing. That is an offense that is just smart. You're giving the ball to your best players in space and you're letting them work. And that's how we saw guys like Aaron Jones 
have such a good night. In this game, Aaron Jones touched the ball 23 times, 17 times on the ground for 67 yards and a touchdown. But where he was most effective was actually as a pass catcher. In the most passes, uh, in most passes that he had were just designed for him to get the ball in space in the flats and allow him to work. And Aaron Jones is one of the shiftier running backs in the NFL, and he can make guys miss. And we saw that because he scored three touchdowns in the air. This is the Aaron Jones we miss from 2019 that really honestly carried that offense at times. And if Aaron Jones can play like this this season, his contract that we signed him for might actually be sort of worth it. He might actually live up to that contract. And that was fantastic to see him play so well. He finished the game with an 88.1 overall grade. He was a lead as a pass catcher out of the backfield. That was a great game for him. And it was really exciting to see. Overall, I just loved the creativity from this offense. You know, we saw 21 personnel with two running backs. We saw a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends. And we just saw an offense with several different formations, great motion, quick passes, allowing receivers to get yards after the catch, play action. And we started to get a glimpse of the offense that was the best offense in the NFL last season. Okay. And that was really good to see because in week one, we saw an offense that used 11 personnel pretty much I think it ended up being around 70% of the game and that is that's not creative at all uh, and what makes the Packers and LaFleur so special is they get different guys on the field they take advantage of the defense and they mix it up they make it difficult for them and even the Packers just looked balanced which is a big deal as well they purposely ran the ball 25 times in this game and only threw it 27 t- 27 times I don't think I don't believe at all you need to have a balanced offense necessarily. But I think the big thing is you play to your opponent's weaknesses or you play to what the defense is giving you. And in this game, Aaron Jones had to get a ton of touches because the Lions were playing this game pretty much the entire time with two deep safeties because the Lions didn't want to get beat deep. They didn't want to lose that way. They're like, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose after the catch, short, quick passes. We're going to make them go all the way down the field. 10 play drives. We're going to make them run the football. And so the Packers did exactly that. They Rodgers would hit Aaron Jones out of the backfield, a short, easy throw to him. And it was the smartest play. And sometimes it was for three yards. Other times it was for 20 and a touchdown, but it's the right call every single time. And we saw other guys get involved in this game as well. It wasn't just Aaron Jones. Players like Robert Tunyon, had three catches for 52 yards and an amazing touchdown catch in traffic down the middle of the field, beating that two deep deep safety look. And he also got a huge first down off of a pass interference as well on third down. And so that doesn't get credited to him, but that was a huge play as well for Tunyon. Devonta Adams looked amazing. He had eight catches, 121 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but that's okay. When you have other guys making plays like Aaron Jones did in this game. And we saw an amazing, perfect connection that we'd love to see from Devontae and Aaron Aaron Rodgers with that 50-yard catch. Just perfectly placed, which is great to see. Rodgers can still make those MVP big-time throws amidst staying within this offense and making those short, easy completions on time in less than two and a half seconds as well. Although Aaron Rodgers quieted critics of his play, he still missed a few big opportunities in this game, 
Rodgers had one turnover-worthy throw where he threw it into triple coverage trying to hit Devonta Adams, and Adams basically switched to playing cornerback on that play and broke up that pass. The thing that makes Rodgers really special is he doesn't do that. He doesn't make turnover-worthy plays. So hopefully this isn't a theme that continues on. I don't think it will be, but it's just something to notice. Uh, Rodgers had the lowest turnover-worthy play percentage of his throws last season in the entire NFL of all quarterbacks, and he's got to continue to do that. That's what that's so important. Turnovers are huge, and we're going to talk about that more later today. Um, one of the things uh, Rodgers just doesn't seem to be fully grasping yet is his own pocket awareness. A few times in this game, we saw Rodgers, he just kind of almost ran into pressure and in sacks, and he was unable to keep his eyes down the field at times. In those certain situations, there was a third and five where he had Adams on an in-breaking route for an easy first down, but Rodgers failed to step up in the pocket. Instead, he kind of fell into a sack. Another time in this game, Rodgers had some pressure off the edge. He missed an easy touchdown throw to MBS as well on that pressure, but luckily the Packers were still able to score a touchdown on a pass to Aaron Jones on the very next play. Two significant times where he allowed the pressure to just really affect him. And against a good team like the 49ers, for example, who the Packers play this week, he's going to be facing a lot more pressure than he is against the Detroit Lions, okay? And you have to come through in those instances to beat good teams and and especially the best teams in the NFL. And going off of Aaron Rodgers and missing MVS on that easy four-yard touchdown pass that MVS should have had a touchdown for, he actually missed MVS three times in this game. Another time on a huge deep play that would have really made it difficult by putting the Packers up 11 points. It would have been a 70-yard touchdown catch, and the Packers got lucky because that drive almost ended. But luckily, the Packers had the free play with the Lions coming uh, or having 12 guys on the field and then Aaron Rodgers hitting uh, Cobb for a 15-yard catch. Then there was still one more time. So right now you're talking about two catches, two touchdowns for, for MVS. And then there was one more deep pass as well that Rodgers missed MVS. MVS, I think, quietly had a really good game if you take those moments into account. MVS would have had probably 110 yards receiving, three touchdowns. And he did the little things too in this game, setting picks, being the distraction. I really think, although MVS hasn't done much so far this season, he's going to have some huge games for the Packers. And uh, keep him in mind. I don't know if you're someone who has dropped MVS, he's going to score multiple touchdowns in some games. He's going to have huge 40-yard plays. I know it hasn't happened yet, but it will. The offensive line for the Packers played solid, but not as good as what I would have liked. Um, Elton Jenkins didn't have that same elite performance he had in week one, which is kind of surprising because the pass rushers for Detroit are not as good as the guys he faced last week. And he finished the game with just a 56.4 overall grade, according to PFF. And he did come out in the injury report this week, so that might have played a role. And so we'll have to look more into that on our next episode. Uh, Royce Newman finished even worse than Elton Jenkins because he was terrible as a run blocker in this game, but he actually played well as a pass blocker, only giving up two pressures. Billy Turner was above average like usual at right tackle. Josh Myers was solid at center. But what was the most interesting was part was the fact that John Rooney Jr., he started this game at left guard, 
uh, because Lucas Patrick hadn't practiced all week due to, due to a concussion. And even though Lucas Patrick was cleared to play, JRJ still started, and JRJ played really good. He had a 79.6 overall grade, which was the fourth highest player for the Packers. And with that, he had an 87.2 pass blocking grade, giving up zero pressures in this game. And honestly, I do not see Lucas Patrick getting this job back after a performance like that. It was pretty close between the two on who should start at the start of the regular season. But I think JRJ, after a game like that, deserves to keep that starting spot until he proves otherwise. Because Lucas Patrick, he's not special by any means and hadn't had a good training camp or preseason, even if he was the starter last year. And this is a competition to watch moving forward. And so let's transition. Let's switch gears and start talking about this defense now. And the biggest thing that happened on the defensive side of the football for the Packers was the decision to put Eric Stokes in the game. On the very first drive, Kevin King gave up a huge completion, allowing Quintez Cephas to get behind him for like 40 yards down the field. And to me, that was the final straw. Kevin King cannot play outside cornerback any longer for this team. He just can't. He just he gives up too many big plays and doesn't make up for it in almost any other capacity. And after that play, the Packers moved Kevin King primarily into the slot, and Eric Stokes came into this game on the outside and played very well. Right away, it looked like Eric Stokes gave up that first touchdown in the game on a play design where the outside and slot uh, receivers on the goal line simply cross, and it looked like Eric Stokes should have had should have picked up Cephas in the end zone who caught the touchdown, but later on, actually, Matt LaFleur talked about how that was a misunderstanding by Kevin King on that play. It was strictly man coverage, and they do not switch, I guess, in that defense and he was supposed to stay with this guy and he didn't and so that play actually was not a touchdown given up by Eric Stokes but another big play given up by Kevin King. Stokes came into this game and played very well. He finished the game with a coverage grade of 72.2 but Pro Football Focus actually got this wrong and I love PFF but they credited Eric Stokes with that touchdown so if they hadn't credited him credited him that play he would have had three targeted passes in this game with two pass breakups and zero yards. That would have been an elite performance, and he would have been the best player on our defense. Okay, Eric Stokes is good, guys, but he's not going to play like that all season. Okay, I love Eric Stokes, and he should be the starter on the outside. We're going to talk about that. Okay, I totally believe that. He's not going to have that elite performance like I just talked about every single game. Right now, he actually leads the NFL uh, in pass breakups for rookie cornerbacks, okay? Uh, with three, he had two in this last game. He had two in, uh, one in week one on like 10 snaps. And so Eric Stokes is good, uh, but he's going to have some ups and downs this season as a rookie. But even if he plays as bad as Kevin Kingwood on the outside, that's okay. Eric Stokes playing bad at times is probably going to happen. He's a rookie cornerback. Rookie cornerbacks struggle more than almost any other position other than maybe rookie linebackers, okay? And so uh, he's going to have some ups and downs. He's going to have games where he just gets wrecked. In some games, he's going to look fantastic, kind of like Jair Alexander did his rookie season as well. But but if that happens, that is okay because Eric Soak's ceiling is so high. He has speed that the Packers honestly haven't had at cornerback since Sam Shields. His straight line speed and makeup speed is so impressive. The move to get Eric Stokes on the field early in the, in the regular season here in week two 
could change our entire defense come playoff time. This is a defense that still needs a lot of work, but has potential to put it all together late in the season. Once Zadarius Smith is back from injury to help with our pass rush, and I would argue just as important, and Eric Stokes, who has grown as a player in this defense by playing starting snaps since week two, okay, that's huge. That's, I think, one of the most important things that could happen for the Packers. You don't get better by sitting on the bench, especially as a defensive player. Stokes is going to get a little bit better each and every week, and maybe he's only 20% better, but that's still a lot better than having Kevin King on the outside. Okay, and so getting Eric Stokes in the game this early in the season and just making that switch now and just sticking with it is so huge, no matter how bad he plays at times. Okay, and Eric Stokes has the potential to grow. Kevin King's ceiling has been met. We know Kevin King's ceiling, and it's in just barely below average cornerback. That's not enough to beat the good teams in the NFL. That's just not enough. And so Eric Stokes has to be the guy on the outside. He has to get those snaps because in the end, it will be better for the Packers, even if he he does struggle at times. And honestly, at this point, he has not struggled at all. And so I'm excited to see Eric Stokes continue to play and continue to prove himself for the Packers in this, and honestly help this defense look a lot better than it has so far. And now the interesting thing, though, is instead of having Chan Sullivan play in the slot primarily in this game, primarily in this game like he usually does, they actually moved Kevin King into the slot for 22 snaps in this game. They also had Jair Alexander play 17 snaps in the slot in this game, and Chan Sullivan only played nine snaps in the slot. Chan Sullivan has been the starter in the slot for the Packers all of last season, in week one as well, but as soon as the Packers decided they didn't want Kevin King on the outside, they put him primarily in the slot. The Packers would rather have Kevin King in the slot or Jair Alexander in the slot and Kevin King on the outside more than they want Chan Sullivan. And I'm curious to see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. I'm curious to see, honestly, how Kevin King plays from the slot position because he's a really good zone corner. And in the slot, usually he doesn't have to worry about players getting behind him, which has been literally... Kevin King's biggest weakness is because he he just can't turn and get go deep. He just gets burned deep constantly. That's his biggest fault to his game when he's working on the outside. And so I wonder if this move to the inside into the slot could actually help him. Like he could actually be above average as a slot quarterback for the Packers. And so and actually looking at the data so far. He actually played well. It's a, it's not very much data, but comparing Chan Sullivan's play in the slot versus Kevin King's play in the slot, King has played better. Per snap, Kevin King has given up an average of 0.5 yards of coverage with a passer rating of 100, okay? But Chan Sullivan has given up 1.23 yards per snap of slot coverage, so almost more than double, and a passer rating of 143.8, which is almost perfect, okay? It's a very small sample size, but Kevin King might be able to sort of thrive in the slot which sounds crazy but it just might work and I'm still of the belief that the best thing the Packers can do is not Kevin King in the slot it's not Chance Hall in the slot it's Eric Stokes on the outside it's Jair Alexander in the slot and it's Packers signing Richard Sherman let me explain why Kevin King for sure should not play on the outside Chance Sullivan I do not believe should play in the slot there's a chance that Kevin King can thrive in the slot 
in coverage like we just talked about, which would be awesome. But I don't, I, I don't think that's the case. And also, he's a terrible tackler, so he would not be helpful at all in our run defense. So to me, Richard Sherman should be signed at this point, and Richard Sherman should play on the outside for sure for the Packers, and the Packers then could move Jair into the slot. Jair was the best cornerback in the NFL last season, and Jalen Ramsey right now is the best cornerback in the NFL. And last season, he was the second best cornerback in the NFL. And the Rams decided to move him into the slot full-time, and here's why. Because Jalen Ramsey is so good just as an entire football player, not just as a cornerback, that they want him more involved. They want him to be able to make more plays. On the outside, teams can scheme their entire offense away from you. But in the slot, you have a lot more opportunities to make plays. Jair is a great tackler, great blitzer, great in coverage. So not only would Jair continue to help our pass coverage in the slot, but he would add a lot to the other parts of our defense as well. The problem with that is that if you move Jair into the slot, we need another outside cornerback across from Eric Stokes. And Richard Sherman should be that guy. Richard Sherman can still play at a high level, maybe not an elite level, but he can play at a high level. He's he's arguably the smartest player in the NFL, and he would make our entire defense better because this one move would take both Kevin King and Chen Sullivan off the field. This is a move waiting to be made, and the Packers need to take this opportunity while it's still available to them. Richard Sherman has talked to other teams in the NFL. He's talked to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers about playing with them. That is discussions that have been had. Okay, you have to jump on that before you don't have that opportunity anymore. And honestly, you can have an injury any moment. Kevin King is one of the most injury-riddled players on the Packers team, okay? And he could get injured, and maybe he was your plan for the slot cornerback and then keeping Jair on the outside, and you don't even have that option anymore. You're doomed to have one of these guys get injured. You need more depth, and Richard Sherman is out there, and you should get him. And on top of having better coverage, the Packers need to get some pressure on the opposing QB a lot more if this defense is going to actually be good. Matt LaFleur has never lost a game when his team has won the turnover battle. He's not. He's never lost the game. He's undefeated when that has happened. You need to be able to create turnovers, and that happens when you are winning and when you are getting after the quarterback. It's not that sacks are everything. But the thing is, when you can pressure the opponent's quarterback and make him throw a little earlier than he wants to, or have him throw in a little less than an ideal stance, just mess him up just a little bit, that's when our coverage gets better as well. Because then they have an easier chance to break up a pass, or more importantly, get an interception, which is a game changer for the Packers, especially under Matt LaFleur. Like I said, he's undefeated when winning the turnover battle. Jared Goff, for example, in Detroit in this last week's game, was pressured on 30.8% of his pass attempts, which is not enough, by the way. Um, But on those 30.8% of those pass attempts, I can't remember if it was 17 or 12 or something like that, he had a passer rating of 44.2. That's terrible. Okay, that's a PFF passing passing grade, I mean, not passer rating. But the other 69.2% of the time, he had an 81.4 passing grade. He was almost twice as good when not under pressure, okay? The importance of having pressure cannot be underemphasized. Passing under pressure is very difficult, and the more time you give a QB to throw when not under pressure, that's just more difficult for any defense to overcome, no matter how good your secondary is. And so the Packers, 
did improve their pass rush a little bit this week, but not enough. Kenny Clark had a much better game with five pressures. Rashawn Gary was okay, but almost nobody else for the Packers defensive line was really a factor in getting after the quarterback. The Packers are definitely missing Zedaria Smith big time, and he now has been put on IR, so we're not sure when he will return. I said before week week one game, if Zedaria Smith is hurt and still not ready to play 100% of the snaps, do not play him, and they still did, and that was a huge mistake. He needed more time to heal, and I cannot imagine him playing in week one against the Saints made his back injury any better. Zedaria Smith has got to get healthy, and the Packers cannot rush him back, or they will end up losing him for the season, or if they have him back, he won't be at full strength, and that's just not worth it. I think the Packers can squeak through most of the regular se- most of the regular season and still win the NFC North without Zedaria Smith. What's important is having Zedarius back when it really matters, and that's the playoffs. Until Zedarius Smith does return, though, the Packers have to find some ways to create pressure more often. The Packers' pass rush really didn't improve that much this week. They only pressured uh, uh, the Saints, I think, 30.2% of the time. They pressured the Lions 30.8% of the time. They didn't even change the percentage point, okay? This Packers defense looked overall better than they did in week one, but they still need to be more creative to find ways to dial up pressure and find ways to affect the opposing team's quarterback more, or our defense is not not is not going to be able to find uh, ways to keep teams from scoring points. You have to be able to hold teams under 30 points a game. I think our offense can score around 30 each game, but uh, you have to be able to hold them under 30 points a game. And with only a 30 point, 8% pressure rate is going to be really hard to do that. Jared Goff honestly looked like Tom Brady out there when he was not pressured. And NFL QBs, all of them, are going to look really good if you are not pressuring them consistently. I think the Packers defense got a little lucky at times in this game with the turnover on the bad snap when it started to downpour later in the game. Uh, honestly, that rain in the second half when the Lions got down really made things tough for the Lions offensively. Turnovers are key, and the Packers have to find ways to create some. Preston Preston Smith almost created a turnover as well on a strip sack that the Packers did not fall on, but if that were to happen, that's another huge play the Packers could have had. The Packers need to win the turnover battle in the future. Every time you hit a QB, you get in his face. You have a chance to make something happen. On top of going after Richard Sherman, the Packers should also sign somebody who can add something to this pass rush. But at this point, there are no edge rushers to add in free agency. But there is an interior defensive lineman, and uh, that player is former Cincinnati Bengal Geno Atkins. Atkins could either replace Dean Lowry or Kinzakiki on the interior immediately as a starter. Dean Lowry has a 55.3 pass rush grade on the season, and Kingsley Kiki has a 46.5 pass rush grade on the season, and both of these guys are starters on our defense. It's like they basically are not even playing on pass rush snaps for the Packers because they're that bad. Geno Atkins could be a huge addition to this pass rush that is doing little to nothing right now in the passing game. If they add Atkins, uh, it could help uh, be a part, a huge part of turning this defense around and doing more to keep the Packers competitive this season. Overall, this was a much improved Packers team for sure from week one to week two, but they are not there yet. And I would argue 
based off of on the field play, they're not a top five team in the NFL, not even in the NFC. In the NFC, the Bucks and the Rams are at the top, and then there's still the Cowboys, who almost knocked off the Bucks. Then the entire NFC West, who are all playing very good football with the Seahawks, 49ers, Cardinals. All of those guys, all of those teams are, I think, better than the Packers right now. The Packers have time, but they still have to prove that they are better. And offensively, it's going to come down to this young offensive line consistently playing well, Aaron Rodgers continuing to play within the offense, but then not missing big play opportunities and having better pocket awareness. And defensively, it's getting better coverage by starting Stokes and signing Sherman, removing both Sullivan and King from our coverage unit, and getting a better pass rush by getting Zedarius healthy no matter how long it takes, and signing Geno Atkins, getting Kings Kiki and Dean Lowry off the field. The Packers have the potential to make a run, no doubt in my mind, but this team is not there yet, and they are young on the offensive line. We do have two of the highest paid players on the Packers out with injury in Bakhtiari and Smith. We do have a new defensive coordinator, and our defense is still learning and growing, and all of those things are going to improve with time. The Packers just need to keep getting better each week because come the playoffs, the Packers could sneak in. Uh, they're not going to sneak in. They're going to win the NFC North, but they're going to sneak in as an underdog and upset some teams, and they have a chance to make it to the Super Bowl if those things happen. So that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast, and tell your friends about Packers Now that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks guys.